Okay, we're going to, uh, the topic of my talk tonight, uh, today is the renewing and the regeneration of God. And we're going to start in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And that is our story, that we have been born again by God's Spirit. Uh, everything has become all, all, everything old has passed away and everything has become new in our life. And we have been given this wonderful revelation of the kingdom of God and God's Spirit and God's plan and His will for us. But it was not always that the case for us. All of us came from a very different background and uh, and came from a place of despair. And I'm just going to go back, go back to um, the book of Ezekiel. And Ezekiel was a prophet that uh, lived towards the end of um, you know the times of when Judah uh, was being taken into captivity. He was just before that time. And the whole book of Ezekiel is a, is a funny one, Ezekiel, because he was called to be a prophet in captivity. And if you read in the beginning of the book of Ezekiel, he's actually on the rivers of Iraq, of Babylon, and there was he called to be a prophet. So he observed the he got carried away, not being a prophet, but on the shores of the of the river he is called to be a prophet, and and the, and God has revealed the things that we're about to read unto him. And we're going to read of a vision that the Lord gave him, which really um, that we can really. Um, uh, relate to in, in, uh, in this in this vision, and it says here in verse one of Ezekiel thirty-seven, and the hand of the Lord was upon me, and He carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. So this is a revelation given to Ezekiel by God. He took me out in the spirit. He took He took him out to reveal something that was out of this world to Ezekiel, something that natural man would not understand, but the Lord revealed unto him. And he set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. That's a pretty uh, desolate kind of a scene. He took me out and he sat me amongst a valley full of dead men's bones. Mind you, if you can see men's bones, they're generally dead. But in um, verse 2, And he caused me to pass by them round about. So it wasn't just a matter of uh, hovering over or standing alongside. He took him for the full experience. He made him walk through this valley full of dead men's bones. He made me experience it. He made me you know, feel the bones you know, rattling amongst my, my feet. He made me uh, hear it. He made me see it. He made me to understand what this valley represented. And it says here, And behold, there were very many in that open valley, and lo, they were very dry. Not dry, but very dry. And such was this the hopelessness of this situation, that uh, there was no life, no hope, no future in this valley, just full of scattered bones, maybe as far as he possibly could see. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? What a, what a wonderful question. Son of man, can these bones live? You could imagine Ezekiel walking through and feeling it amongst his, his ankles and hearing the noise. And not only were the, they weren't skeletons, they were scattered. Bones, you know, separated one from the other. And he says, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. It's a pretty good answer, isn't it? Only you know, Lord. 
And, and Ezekiel is obviously, he's obviously understanding that the Lord is trying to show him something that he doesn't quite understand. And Ezekiel was onto it and he's kind of saying, Lord, only you know that something so hopeless, something so, uh, something of such uh, despair, something with, you know, such little life or no life or no future, um, to ask me a question like that, can son of man, can these bones live? There is something that you want to teach me about these bones and about this valley. And so it's a time of this personal reflection for you know for Ezekiel and um, and and the Lord is trying to teach Ezekiel that he is bigger than this um, situation, that he is bigger than this hopelessness that he that he sees. And uh, you know, just kind of thinking, you know, as the Lord kind of teaches us, he might say to us, "Son of man, you know." And I guess if a man was severely injured, I asked you the question, son of man, you know, can these bones live? And we would kind of say, well, if we get him to the hospital quick enough, maybe he could be saved. Maybe the Lord is asking us, how about if a man were to lose a limb, lose a leg, son of man, can these bones live? And we'll say, oh, he's going to suffer from blood loss and it won't be long before he's dead. But the Lord is going further than that. The Lord kind of says here, how about if he be dead in the grave for four days, Lazarus, son of man, can these bones live? Or how about if he's a skeleton, without even flesh upon him? He asks the same question of us, son of man, do you believe that these bones can live? And here is Ezekiel sitting in a valley of bones scattered. Very dry bones, and the Lord is asking Ezekiel, son of man, do you believe that these bones can live? In Ephesians, in chapter 2, we'll turn to that. We're going to look at our situation, about how hopeless our situation was, that we were there in that valley of dry bones. And that is the vision that the Lord is showing Ezekiel. And it's talking about uh, how the Lord has changed us and how he has uh, made a way for us and given us life. But in Ephesians in chapter 2, it says, And you had he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespass and sin. It says, Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit uh, that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also... We all had our conversation and times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We were part of a valley as far as you could see, full of dead men's bones. Even when we were dead in sin, had quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved. It's just God's decision just to save us. Wherefore, remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at a time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. And the question was posed to us, Son of man, do you believe that these bones can live again, and and that is an answer that we you know, a, a answer that we had to give to the Lord about our faith in the plan of God. 
could God, you know, uh, take a valley of dry bones and, and breathe life into them and give them an experience where they know that they are, uh, like, like Mike was saying, that they knew that the Lord existed, that the Lord was alive. It's real. When I ponder and look at the stars, I knew at that moment that the Lord was real. Back to Ezekiel 37. Maybe keep your hand there. I should have told you that. Keep your hand. We'll keep going back to Ezekiel 37, verse 4. In verse 4, again he said unto me, so the Lord says unto Ezekiel, prophesy upon these bones, speak faith upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Believe this prophecy. Believe in what the Lord can do. Verse 5, and thus, uh, uh, thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So the Lord you know, in type he is going to clothe us in righteousness. He's going to bring life back into us. He's going to put the breath of life into us as he did in the beginning. But this is a different breath. This is eternal breath. This is eternal life in us. Uh, Ezekiel 36, there's a, just in the chapter before, I'll turn to it here, but uh, a wonderful prophecy about this, this new part of our flesh, it's called our heart. The engine room to our faith is our heart. And how the Lord will begin as he is putting this flesh upon us, he will begin with our heart. And there's this wonderful prophecy of, of the Holy Spirit to come. In, in a, just a chapter before, this vision that is given to Ezekiel. In verse 24, For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean. I shall wash you. And we know that we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And we'll remember that shortly. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Remember we read back in, in Titus, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the renewer, the one that makes us alive. Without it we are nothing. Without it we have no vision. Without it we have no hope and no life. And the Lord has washed us and renewed us by the Holy, Holy Ghost. Verse 26 of Ezekiel. And a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I'll take away the stony heart. I'll take away the very dry bones. It says here, out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, a heart of compassion, a heart that has love in it, a heart that has empathy in it, a heart that I can relate to, the heart that I can communicate with, the heart that you know, can responds to me. And it says, verse 27, I'll put my spirit within you and cause you, I'll empower you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave you, gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. You know, this, this sense of we will belong together. I will belong to you and you will belong to me. We will be yoked together. We'll be in this together. I will, uh, I will sort out your future. 
I will you know, satisfy all your needs. And it says in the next couple of verses, it says here, I will also save you from all of your uncleanliness, and I will, and I will call for the corn and will increase it, and I will lay no famine upon you. And the Lord will use all of his authority um, you know, to call upon the corn and for some reason you know, cause it to yield better than anyone else's. What, what wonderful favor the Lord has you know, prophesied for us you know, to bring favor upon our life, that you plant corn and your neighbor plant corn, but yours will yield twice as many. And that's just the way it is because uh, I, I breathed life into you. In verse 13, I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field that you shall receive no more reproach or famine among the heathen. I will supply your every need, the Lord says. And then shall you remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for the iniquities of your abominations. And this is a, this is a wonderful revelation that the Lord gives us about when we received the Holy Spirit, we didn't realize how dead we were until life came into us. We had no idea that we were a part of a valley of dry bones. That's all we were, lifeless, no hope, no future. As far as you can see was death and lifelessness. But then when life comes into us, all of a sudden we realize that, wow, the Lord is real. Wow, I was the one scattered in that valley, this vast valley with no answers. Many questions but no answers. And, and we only understand that through receiving the Holy Spirit, through the revelation of God. Um, and the same is with nature. Only those that are alive can actually ever witness the dead. It doesn't work the other way around, does it? The dead don't witness the life those that are alive. And so so it is spiritually in that same way that the Lord reveals uh, things to us through his spirit. And there's a nice passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians in chapter 2. We're just going to turn to that. About how everything changes in us once the Holy Spirit comes within us. And for many of us, we, we went looking for the Lord and we had a, you know, uh, we, we had a desire to know who the Lord was Maybe we didn't have the patience to look for too long. And uh, maybe we didn't have like the stamina to kind of uh, turn over as many kind of stones as we probably should have. And we're all part of that. We're all, we're, we're all stuck in religion. You know, for a lot of us, we're brought up either, you know, uh, you know, mainly Catholic. Catholics seem to rule the world outside, um, the Islamic faith. But, uh, but, you know, we all, we all had a desire to know who the Lord is. And uh, but it's never really revealed to us unless we are born again of his spirit, unless we belong to the household of God, unless it is given to us by the Lord. We really don't understand it. And that's why the Lord has made it so definitive when a, when a person receives the Holy Spirit, he will give him his own personal miracle. He will be empowered and he will speak in this new language and it will be his or her personal miracle to know that before that date, I had no idea. And at that date, a miracle happened to me that's never happened to me before. I called out to the Lord, and he caused my language to change out of my mouth. And that has never happened to me before. And the Lord says, this is the manifestation of the Spirit. 
coming coming through you. But in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, start in verse 10, actually it's nice in verse 9, but it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. So God says, you love me, and the things that you will see, you would have never dreamt of seeing them. You would never have seen them in your lifetime. All I ask you to do is to love me, and I will show you things that you were never meant to see, you know, uh, in the natural. But I prepared them for you, if you were to be obedient to me. But God had revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. And so it is you know, true in this world that the believer in the Lord is foolishness. But once, you've, once you love the Lord, the Lord reveals himself to you, realize this is such a power. This is such a wonderful treasure to know the Lord. I've lost where I was. And he know them because they are spiritually sent. Okay, but the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judge, judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Who knows what's in, in the Lord's mind? Who understands what it is to walk with the Lord? Who understands Jesus Christ, that he may instruct him? But it says, but we have the mind of Christ. When we receive the Holy Spirit, I don't know how it happens, but given to us is the mind of Christ. And so many people ask, what would it be like to walk with the Lord and talk with the Lord and be there at the miracle? Well, well get yourself spirit-filled. Get yourself filled with the Spirit of God and you will see these things. You will see these things. So how miraculous is this revelation? And the Lord calls upon us and says, Son of man, do you believe that these dry bones can live again? Okay, let's go back to Ezekiel 37 and verse 7. Ezekiel 37 verse 7. It says here, So I prophesied as I was commanded. So Ezekiel spoke over these bones. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. The Lord put together the bones. It's like a, you can just imagine like, you know, limbs everywhere, bodies mixed all over this valley. And it says the bones came together and bone to his own bones. All got put back beautifully and in order. And as the Lord put it all back together again. And he goes, and when I, um, and when I beheld lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them and the skin covered them above but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied, and as he had commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet, 
an exceedingly great army. We're going to go to Acts chapter 1 and we're going to see when this great power and this great noise came at the, at the birth of the church, the, uh, the first church of, of the Bible. You know, we'll go to Acts chapter 1, we'll read a little bit here. As the Lord put together the body, which is the church. This is back in Jerusalem, a number of days after Jesus had uh, been crucified and risen again. And these are some of his final words that he spoke as he, as, as he was putting the bones together, as he was giving birth to this life, to this church, which is, which is the body that we are a part of because we have exactly the same experience of this first church here. And these are, these are the Lord's words that we're using. This is just as the Lord is about to go up into heaven. So you can imagine these are pretty um, important words the Lord will speak. The Lord spoke many words and taught many things throughout his life, but these are his final words. And we're hearing about this wonderful prophecy that we heard that the Lord will give us a new heart and that the Lord will clothe us in righteousness and that the Lord will put breath into, into, into us and that will be life and that there'll be a great noise. You know, the noise of receiving the Holy Spirit is the noise of life. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you have eternal life. You will never die. Now that's a big moment. The day you'll never die again and you realize I will never die. Better than any promotion, better than any one of you know, man's wisdom, a wonderful quote that you know, really gives you a bit of life for the day but doesn't have the same effect on you the second time around. The day you receive the Holy Spirit, you have eternal life, you remember that day. And the Lord will uh, give you the evidence to, to, for you to you know, help remember such a wonderful day. It says, and being assembled together with them, verse 4, this is the Lord, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. I'm going to give you a new heart, a heart of flesh that you may understand the kingdom of God. In verse 8, and he goes on to say, But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, um, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they uh, looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. And, uh, and the Lord was taken up. And it goes on in verse 11, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And so that's what we're preparing ourselves for. But uh, the Lord is saying there's going to be this great power. He only heard it back in the Old Testament in Ezekiel. It's all just a prophecy. It's all just a promise. But now we're seeing here in Acts chapter 2, the Lord is saying, here comes the promise. Here comes the prophecy fulfilled. I'm going to fulfill not prophecy in a distant land, distant people, disconnected. I'm going to fulfill prophecy in you. In you, I'm going to fulfill prophecy. And we read in the next chapter, as the church was born, it says here, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they waited as the Lord had commanded them. They were all with one accord in one place, good, obedient saints. And it, and it describes 
how it happened. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, much like what Ezekiel heard, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, as the Spirit was born in a person's heart, as people were given this new heart, as these dry bones became flesh again, as, as God clothed them in righteousness, as he breathed the breath of life into them, this sound came that Ezekiel heard and these people spoke in tongues and the church was born. The body was put together. Let's go to First Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians twelve. And if you're new here today, the uh, the church is always referred to as a body. That we are part of the body. We are uh, members of the body of, of the Lord. And so, just like these, has the Lord put the bones bone to His own bone? The Lord put this body, this body together, which was the church of Jesus Christ. And in verse, in chapter twelve, and in verse twelve. This is how the Lord describes the church, the body. For as the body is one and, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink unto, un, um, into one spirit. For the body is not one member but many, then he goes on in verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. And so we can, we see this wonderful vision in, uh, in Ezekiel as the Lord causes all these bones to gather up for him. And as he kind of, he, you know, we, and there's, what's, that, what's that scripture about being fitly joined together? The Lord puts it together. That's, um, that's Ephesians, I think. Let me just have a look there. Let's go to Ephesians. I'll find it for you in Ephesians. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase for the body uh, unto the edifying of itself in love. So here is the Lord putting these bones together for Ezekiel, finding its right place. And in the, you know, in the New Testament church, he's doing exactly the same thing, the same God working the same way. Manifesting, you know, the, you know, his spirit through the putting together of this body. And it says that the Lord has placed it in, in a, in a, in a way that pleases him. And so we are now part of this wonderful new body with this wonderful new purpose. And we go out and we profess the Lord to everyone about how this miraculous change happened to us. How we were, our residence was like a valley of dry bones, but now God has given us wonderful revelation through this, in you know, a soft and malleable heart. Let's go to verse 11, back to Ezekiel 37, verse 11. We read verse 10, verse 11, back to Ezekiel. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. And they say, Our bones are dried and our hope is lost, and we are cut, cut off from our parts. And so, and at times it can kind of feel like that if uh, you haven't received the Holy Spirit or if this is all kind of new to you and and we're just listening to another church group trying to uh, win me over or, or convince me that God is real. And maybe you feel that way. Maybe you feel that uh, all hope is lost. Maybe you feel that uh, there's nothing in this for me. Maybe you kind of feel that there's no future for me. 
maybe I'm not, uh, I'm not kind of equipped to have a relationship with God. I'm not wired that way to need to yearn upon, you know, the Lord. Maybe I feel, you know, it's kind of, um, it's just not me to kind of bow the knee to the Lord and commit my life to it. And, uh, you're in great company if you feel that way. If, um, if I could give you my testimony, I began, uh, considering the Lord by kicking his Bible across, you know, uh, my, um, kicking the Bible out of my brother's hands, to be honest with you. It took me four years to kind of get to that point where I realized that, uh, I knew I was looking for something and I knew that I had no answers, but I didn't want God to be that answer. I didn't want him to be my hope. I just saw that as being weak. I was uh, far too good for that, you know. And then, um, when it all happened to me on the 18th of October, 1998, 7-18, Road, the first time I called out to the Lord, I think, you know, of course the Lord was waiting for me, but as soon as I kind of you know, uttered one kind of hallelujah to the Lord, the next words were this brand new language pouring out of my mouth. It was almost like the Lord, the Lord doesn't do it, but it was almost like the Lord was slapping my wrist and kind of saying, you know, how, you know, how dare you limit me? I've been watching over your life even before you were born, did I orchestrate the path of your life? I know the beginning and I know the end. You know, so maybe you kind of, maybe a lot of these people said unto me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Um, um, and it says, our bones are dried and our hope is lost and we are cut off from our parts. There's no place for me here. And we would say, of course, there is place for you here. This is where you belong. Therefore prophesy in verse 12 and saying to them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. I will force your grave open and I will cause you to live. For that is my will. I sent my son to die for you. We will force your grave open. We will make you live. And there's no links that I won't go to that we may open that grave for you, that you, that you may live. And verse 14, and shall put my spirit in you, you shall live, and I shall place you in your own land, then shall you know that I, the Lord, number one, have spoken it, number two, have performed it, saith the Lord. And it seems a little bit tougher now if you're not filled with the spirit. But borders get clear really quickly once you receive God's Spirit. That the Lord has made a way for you. That uh, you have a contrast between how you thought before you received the Holy Spirit and how you think now. The outlook you had before you received the Holy Spirit and the outlook you have after you receive the Holy Spirit. The love and the care and the compassion you had before the Holy Spirit and the love and the care you have after the Holy Spirit. The Lord says, I'm going to take a heart of flesh dry as a bone and take it out of you, and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh that you can feel every one of my, you know, it's, you know every time I touch your heart, you will feel it. You become um, sensitive to these things. So this is why I've just written down here, we must love and adore what the Lord has done in our life. That we were, our residence was number one, Dry Bones Valley Lane. And the Lord has taken us from the dry bones in the valley, and he has placed us, in heavenly places, in a seat in heaven. Join heirs with Christ. How amazing is our story? Now that's a story worth sharing, that uh, I had no life and no hope in me and the Lord has given me absolutely everything. 
And we must, we must see how the, you know, the Lord sees you know, this world and this life that, uh, the Lord looked down and saw the valley and, and the helplessness of the valley and he couldn't turn his eyes away from it. He had to deal with that valley full of dry bones. And he's called his disciples, his believers to do the same. That we can't become, we can't have a stony heart towards a valley of dry bones. But he's given us a heart of flesh that we may look at that dry bones, the valley full of dry bones and have compassion for these people who think they live but are dry and very dry, the Lord says. And the Lord even said another part, let the dead bury the dead and you come follow me. That's how ignorant people are to the fate. And here we are wearing masks, like I said, and 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 the Lord prophesied that in the last days there would be pestilences in all the earth. And this will be a sign to you, my believers, who believe me, that the end is not far, that Jesus Christ, the same that went into heaven, will come down again to judge. And here we are wearing masks for the first time in their history. I don't think Adelaide has ever worn masks like this before, ever. And in our lifetime, have we ever worn masks like this? That we must have that, we must use the soft heart the Lord has given us to understand that this is it. There's not long to go. All will be revealed. The truth will be revealed for everyone. Those that believe and those that don't believe, the truth will be revealed soon. But we have been born again by God's Spirit. And I'll just put down a couple of things here about how miraculous, personally, how miraculous that is, you know. And I just think about some of these. Uh, characters of the scriptures about how God has changed their whole personality, the whole characteristics. And I think about someone like Paul, the Apostle Paul, who was, I think one of the first things we hear about him, that he was, he was going to breathe out threatening and slaughter to try and kill the Christians. And the Lord filled him with his Holy Spirit. And he had, he became, you know, the, the Apostle that loved and devoted his life to the cause. You know, he was full of, you know, uh, purpose and passion to go and kill Christians. The Lord said, now you're going to have that same purpose, that same passion, but you're going to go and, and increase the church. You're going to walk for days and weeks and you're going to you know, spread the gospel. And I think about Peter who, you know, he experienced greater strength and humility than he did full of pride, trying to do it in his own strength. I've got this life under control. If I don't know it, I'll get the information. I'll work it out. But there's some things in life we can't work out. Number one is, why do I die? Google that. How do I not die? There are some things in life we have no answer for. And death is a very obvious one. And neither can the death help us to kind of load something on wiki for us. They're not around anymore. But the Lord goes beyond, beyond death. I'm going to finish in John 5. Remember how uh, Ezekiel called upon these dry bones and, and he called if they, if they would hear the voice of the Lord. And in John 5 and verse 24, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that hears my word, this is the Lord speaking, He that hears my word and believes on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life, a new residence, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. 
For as the Father have, have life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth, they that have done good unto resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. So the Lord is coming to open your grave at one time or another. But we want, to, we want him to open our grave early and to bring his strength and his authority and his love and his compassion and his empathy and his understanding and his comfort. We want him to bring that early so he doesn't have to open it later on. We want him to come early. And so uh, if you're new here amongst us and and you can you can see the helplessness of your life. There's there's no problem with that. We all we all saw the helplessness of our life, you know. Um, and if you can see that the Lord has a plan for you, that the Lord died for you, um, that He shed His blood to be a covering for your sin, um, He came to give you eternal life. The question is, I guess, for you today, is uh, Son of Man, can these bones live again? Do you believe? the things that you're hearing today. And if you do, the Lord commands you to be baptised, to bury your old way of life, to bury those old bones, that he may give you a new heart of flesh and the Holy Ghost and a new understanding. And all the people said, Amen. Amen.